This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. Over the whole region of Galilee, as soon as they left the synagogues, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. The title of my message today is Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. Will you pray with me? Father, we want to learn about you. We want to learn about who you are and how you live and how you set an example and apply that to our lives. Lord, you are in control. And I pray that the message today, the message today would make that clear so that you would be glorified in all things. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask. Amen. 1981, President Ronald Reagan was in the first year of his administration. And we now know that he was a strong leader, but the verdict was still out at that time. Historians will arguably say that the previous administration before Reagan was one of the weakest presidencies of the modern president, uh, presidency office. And so the nation was in turmoil, and we needed strong leadership, and an issue arose in the nation. There were 17,000 air traffic controllers. They were part of the Air Traffic Controllers Union, and of the hundreds of unions we have in our nation, this was the only union that had supported Ronald Reagan in the 1980 election. And now they were threatening to strike. We know, for most of us who lived through September 11th, we know that September 12, 2001, we realized how our nation was crippled when there was no air traffic. Our nation is so dependent upon the air traffic, and this was the reality in 1981 also. So here it was. Reagan was confronted with these 17,000 workers who had supported him that were going to cripple the economy, and they were going to set a precedent for federal workers. Federal workers had never strike before. So what was he going to do? What Reagan did is he took his pen and paper and he drafted a little message. He called all the reporters in to the Rose Garden and he said this. He said in the next 48 hours those who don't report to work to our air traffic controllers will permanently lose their jobs. What ended up happening is they found out that they could safely run our air traffic with about 6,000 less of those workers. But what really happened is a message was clearly sent. There was a new sheriff in town. Somebody was taking charge, and the way things were run previously were never going to run the same again. Like him or not, agree with his policy or not, Ronald Reagan was a strong leader, and he asserted himself in that little story that in in scope of all the things that were accomplished in our nation during that time frame, we forget about that little story, but that little story set the tone and set the pace for his leadership. When I think about the passage today, I see that Jesus Jesus launched his ministry. We've already talked about his baptism, and we've talked about 
Last week, him choosing his followers, and we discussed his temptation and how he launched his ministry in the synagogue with authority. But here, we're going to see in the passage that he clearly sends a message with his life that he was different. This was not just another prophet. This was not just another teacher. This was not just another religious leader. Jesus was setting the pace, and he was saying, things are different now. I am in control. Now, wouldn't you like to know that your life is not just random? That things aren't just happening that are out of your control? Wouldn't it be great to know that somebody was in control of the circumstances of your life? Don't you want the assurance that somebody bigger and stronger and more powerful than you controls your destiny? Well, I want to tell you today that Jesus is in control. He is always in control. You are not helpless. You are not a victim. You are not living life and uh, uh, just having circumstance happening to you. When you put your life in the hands of Jesus, He is in complete control of your life. Now, the first area, if you take your bulletins on the back, there's a chance for you to take notes and to follow along. And the first observation that I want to, to uh, bring to you today is this. Jesus is in control because He knew who He was. Jesus is in control because He knew who He was. Now, look at verse 28, and you'll see that Jesus had encountered at age 30 notoriety and fame and recognition. No one recognized who He was. He had lived in obscurity. He had lived in isolation as a carpenter. And now He is living... He is living in fame, we see in verse 28, news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Jesus knew exactly who he was. Jesus was not changed by the things that change you and me. Because we get tested in life, and we are changed by money. We are changed by power. We are changed by influence. Those things tend to change who we are. In fact, success is often the greatest test of our character. Success is the greatest test of our character, and it's the greatest challenge that we have. But Jesus showed that he was in control of who he was because he was not a victim of earthly success. He conquered success. And I love what this verse brings out. It says in verse 28, news about him spread over the whole region of Galilee. And as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon. Jesus, as soon as he became famous, as soon as he developed notoriety, who did he spend time with? He spent time with simple fishermen. He spent time with simple people. His success didn't change who he was because he knew who God had called him to be. Can I tell you this, that the greatest test for your leadership is self-leadership. Self-leadership. That's why the Bible calls for spiritual leaders to have self-control. Because if you can't lead yourself, how can you lead other people? That's why morality counts. That's why character counts. That's why we choose our leaders and we judge them to standards of morality and character because you have to lead yourself 
before you can read other people. And Jesus led himself. His success didn't change the essence of who he was. He spent time with those closest to him. If you can't get your life together, how can you read others? If you can't get your own discipline together, how can you lead other people? Jesus was not affected by the things that change us. Fame, access to money, spiritual respect, it didn't change who he was because he was called to the Father and he was on mission, he was on task. And that's why he's in control. You see, when we our priorities change and they get out of whack, when our focus change and they get out of whack, when we begin to to respond inappropriately to the successes in our life. Isn't it great to know that Jesus is still in control? Isn't it great to know that despite any other circumstance, that Jesus is in control? He never loses control and He never falters. And we can rest on that. His mission from God, He was on focus. When He began to, to encounter success, when notoriety about Him spread, He didn't just sit he didn't just stop and enjoy. In fact, he isolated himself and he prayed and he prepared and he re-engaged into the mission God has from him. Despite his authority, despite his notoriety, despite his success, he never got too big to spend time with the poor fishermen who were with him in the beginning. So let me ask you this question. Where do you go when you have your greatest successes? Who do you spend time with when you experience success? Because I want to challenge you to stick with those people who care about who you are. You get that successful accomplishment and you, you accomplish the task with that coworker. Congratulate that coworker. Thank them for their help. Then you get home to your wife or you get home to your husband. You take your family out to eat and you celebrate with them because they are the ones that got you to the place of success in the first place. Who do you go with? Who do you celebrate with? Because when you begin to, to reach the blessings of God, don't let it change your mission and who you are and what God's doing in your life. You get an award, you get an accomplishment, and you suddenly have people who begin to speak to you and they'll want access to you and they'll want to spend time with you, people who never cared about you in the first place. Don't forget those who have sacrificed, those who have prayed for you, those who have invested in you when nobody knew who you were. See, Jesus was able to lead us because he led himself first. He was in control. Long-term success means this that you spend time with people who care more about your character than they do your successes. And that means people who will challenge you, people who won't let you compromise, people who will uh, go to the heart of the matter. You don't need people around you that just flatter you. You don't need people around you who are enamored with your gifts and talents. You need people who care about the outcome of your soul. Self-control, self-leadership, and Jesus had that. Do you ever get to the point, and this is a great test for you, if you ever think you're too good too good to associate with a certain type of person, now I'm not talking about sin, I'm talking about demographics, I'm talking about lifestyle choices, if you think you're too good to associate with this type of person or this group of person, then you're probably too good for the activity of God in your life. 
See, we are all sinners, and we come before Christ at the cross, on level ground. In Christ, there is no Jew, there is no Greek. We are all one in Christ. And any kind of pride, any kind of pride when it comes to social status, and when it becomes to title, and when it becomes to uh, some kind of a, a level of, of earthly recognition, when we're in the house of God, it's all level. It's all level. We're one in the Spirit. We have one leader, and His name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. All of those who want the leader of pastor, teacher, all that kind of stuff, all that means is more responsibility. All that means is harsher judgment. All that means is more criticism. But in Christ, we are one. We are one, and we are all slaves to Him. We are servants to Him and to none other. So remember that. Lead yourself. Control yourself. Jesus was in control because He knew who He was. Number two, Jesus is in control of our future. Jesus is in control of our future. I love that. I love that reality. Because our greatest fear is the fear of the unknown. What's going to happen to us? What circumstances are we going to encounter? What challenges do we have ahead of us? That's our greatest fear. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know who is the God of tomorrow. We don't know exactly what challenges we have, but we know the God who will help us overcome the challenges. And you'll see here that when Peter's mother-in-law was sick, Jesus, he demonstrated that he was in control of our future. Look at me at verse 30. Let's start in 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went to, with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Verse 30, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about it. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her. Now look at this part, the end of verse 31. And she began to wait on them. She began to wait on them. This was not a partial healing. This was not a process healing. This was not a, a healing that was subjective. Well, I think God touched me, or, or it seems like God's touched them. This was a healing that restored Peter's mother-in-law back to a place of service. Now, you understand when it talks about she served them, it wasn't like Jesus just healed them because they needed a maid or they needed a cook. It was not a, a selfish type of healing. The Jewish woman was the core of life. She prepared the children spiritually. She prepared the home for Passover. This was around the time of Passover. This was her destiny. This was her call. When she came from, when her fever was released and she began to serve them, this was not just simply her doing something uh, because she had to, it was her intrinsic destiny, what God had called her to do and who God, God had made her to be. Can I remind you of something? That Jesus cares about your future. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be fulfilled. Jesus doesn't want you to live life uh, uh, in the bed being ill. It could be a physical illness. It could be an emotional illness. It could be anything that distracts you. Can I tell you that as long as you have breath in this life, as long as there are days ahead of you and weeks ahead of you and years ahead of you, that God has a plan. God has a future. God, Jesus, He has something in mind for your future. You have not disqualified yourself. You have not permanently uh, um, abandoned any future hope of God using you. If you still have breath today, God has a plan for you. And I know there are times we get sick. We get the flu. And we get the illness, and some of us have 
long-term sicknesses. And some of us have emotional sickness. And, and we have uh, things that are not right with us. Jesus is still in control. He's in control of your future. And when he looks at your future, he doesn't see your future just laid up in bed. He sees you serving again. He sees you accomplishing your will. He sees you accomplishing your purpose. He sees you doing the things that he has called you to do because he's in control. See, others have spoken over you and said it'll never be the same again. And that's right. It'll never be the same again. For Jesus, it's going to be better. Through Jesus, it's going to be better than it's ever been before because he is the one who restores us and lifts us off our sick bed because he has a future for you. Some of you feel out of control of your life today. You feel like you have no self-control. You feel like you have no self-determination. You feel like you just can't get yourself to the position that you need to be. Can I tell you, can I remind you today that Jesus is in control? He's in control of your life. He's in control of your future. And He's coming to you. And He wants to touch you. And that fever, just like it left Peter's mother-in-law, whatever's ailing you, whatever's preventing you from reaching your destiny, it can leave with one touch of Jesus. He cares about your future. Here's the last thing. Last thing I want you to write it down. Jesus is in control over sickness and demonic powers. Jesus is in control over sickness and de demonic powers. Why does that mean something? Well, for those of you who are sick or those of you who are oppressed by demons, that means a lot. There's, there's true practical application. But for all of us, listen, the one thing that we can't control the one thing when we're diseased, when we're sick, when we have the powers of darkness on us, those are things you can't get rid of through self-will, through self-determination. You can't go find a motivational guru you know, and pay like $9.95 for his tapes or anything and get over that. You need a divine touch from Jesus. You need for him to touch your life. The reason Jesus heals us, the reason Jesus touches us is because he's not done with us yet. He had a plan for Peter's mother-in-law. And he said, this woman won't stay in this bed forever. She is going to come alive again. And you read with me. Read the passage beginning with verse 32. That evening, after sunset, when the Sabbath ended, the people brought Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drived out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Why? Because he was in complete control. Can I challenge you today? Listen, there's a message for all of us. If you're sick, if you're bound by sin, if you feel like you're being influenced and controlled by demons, if you feel like that, that your whole life is out of control, can I tell you it's time to turn to Jesus today? It's time to turn to the Jesus who is in control. He is in control. He is not caught off guard by your problem. Your problem's not too big for Him. Your situation's not too challenging to Him. If you turn to Jesus, turn to none other, turn to no man, turn to no church, turn to no program, turn to Jesus and He will touch you. Turn to Jesus and He will free you. Turn to Jesus and He will heal you because He is in control. He controlled Himself. He overcame the Satan and temptation. He controlled His success. He led Himself and now He is leading us leading us to a greater future, leading us to greater freedom, leading us to conquering sin and death and sickness and demon powers. We can have control because Jesus is in control. And we rest upon that today. We rest upon that today.
This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.